How are we doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is educating about and working towards a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say welcome to the show. If this is your first time stopping by, I'd like to say hello. Uh, I really do appreciate the listen. I hope you enjoy. Please feel free to reach out with any comments, any criticisms, whether about the things that I said, the show, who I referenced, etc., etc., any questions as well. Please feel free to hit me up on my social media. I have TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at In Defense of Liberation. You can also reach out to me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. Uh, no caps or spaces. And you can also find me uh, some blogs and some nice quotes and pictures on my website which is forliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. Again, no caps, no spaces for that. But please remember that I am just a medium for this information. I and others like me should not and uh, cannot do this type of work, do this type of uh, popular education with uh, any intention of building, you know, clout or becoming popular or really trying to gain attention for themselves from these ideas for a few different reasons. First of all, that's chauvinistic. If you are doing these things for the betterment of yourself, I don't want to know nothing about you. Second of all, good fucking luck. The U.S. State Department and the capitalist bourgeois system already weeds out all of this bullshit. So the majority of the time, you're not very likely to get popular as a communist. Third of all, if you're like maybe someone who's like, well, we have to make these ideas popular. Okay, but not in the like popular, like thousands of Twitter followers popular But, like, popular, like, protracted war. (laughs) Popular, you know? Uh, Protracted people's war, I should say. Uh, But anyways, uh, I think that it's important that, you know... If you like my shit, cool, let me know. But honestly, at the end of the day, you don't need to follow me to find this information. I do this for the people who do follow me to have this information and also to be able to connect with others and to be able to get this information out there so when people want to try to find this information, there's multiple resources and avenues where they can find it. That's really, honestly, at the end of the day, the only thing that we as communists can hope for. Um, We don't have some (laughs) master popularity within U.S. society, that's for sure. And that's really what I want to talk about today. Uh, in in kind of a a general outlook. But I want to pose some more questions to us because I think there's some really important things that are 
happening, that have been happening, and that are going to happen, I believe, very soon, that I feel and others feel, uh, we need not just, you know, it's, it's, I do this whole posing a question, talking about my ideas on here, because again, it's good to have the content out there, but at the end of the day, (coughs) excuse me, we need to do more than just simply, uh, than just simply, you know, talking, right? We need to be acting. So I find these questions to be important, but I find acting upon them, uh, ultimately, of course, after finding an answer to these questions, I find acting upon these answers uh, is one of the most important things that any of us can be doing in our life. Um, Not because I'm some fucking ultra nerd who, you know, dicks around on social media and makes, you know, uh, content so that I can get a bunch of fucking likes and Patreon money. I don't even have a fucking Patreon. Um, again, I'm very, uh, conscientious of the fact that building a following in content creation can lead to really bad, bad things like chauvinism. So I try to avoid that myself. Not that I'm perfect, but, um, I think that the important thing that we recognize is we want to popularize these ideas in a way that will make people such as myself and others, yourself, your friends, your comrades, your homies, right? Uh, Make them willing to act. Because we are not utopian, and we shouldn't be. We can use socialism and the ideas surrounding socialism to try to build a supposed utopia in the way of ideas for people to understand really what we're hoping for. But at the end of the day, those of us who are truly aware of what is ahead of us, we know that no such utopia is possible for a long, long, long time. So something that I personally see as being a negative to the more utopian or idealistic notions of socialism, communism, Marxism, etc. is really, really rampant. These issues are very rampant across not only the United States, but the supposed left of the world. I mean, really, look at Excuse me. Look at some of the things that almost every single communist party across the world has had to deal with. You have your complete ignorance to things like the race question, 
the women question. And I don't even necessarily like phrasing these things in this way, but this is the way that you often hear them referred to as. The question of indigeneity, of trans and LGBTQ plus liberation, these ideas, right, these developments oftentimes are found to be maybe not ignored, right? Because I think even so far back as someone like Engels and Marx, who, sure, everybody has plenty of examples as to moments, quotes, and times in their lives where folks like Marx, Engels, Lenin, Stalin, even folks like Mao, etc., have maybe not had the most advanced or revolutionary uh, analyses of, you know, folks, even philosophers, political economists, and revolutionaries as these folks themselves have even spoken to, even they are susceptible and subject to the material reality, the bourgeois system that they are born into. Marx and Engels, folks like Lenin and Stalin, they even, Mao, plenty of others. Again, these are just the main five that you normally hear about. These folks even recognized the ways in which the transitional stage between a capitalist or bourgeois society towards a socialist one would be wrought with continued class struggle, inequality, and contradictions. Folks like Mao especially understood that under the process of building socialism, the marks of the old society would still be prevalent, would still be problematic within the new society. You are laying the stage, however, to that point for such changes to be enacted. This is the path towards socialism. You first emancipate the class of oppressed and exploited people from the yoke of the bourgeois society. And from this point, you further emancipate and solve the contradictions eradicate the inequality and work towards building a truly egalitarian society. But, excuse me, first and foremost, we must understand that there is no likelihood that this can be built under a bourgeois system, under a capitalist system. 
So we must first get to the base, spray at the base of the fire, and emancipate the broad masses from this exploitative private ownership and profit uh, uh, perpetual society, perpetual profit-based society. Anyways, you get what I mean. We first have to emancipate the entire exploited class from that. So we have to get rid of everything that we can, everything that we can survive without from the old society. But in doing so, we must also take advantage of and capitalize upon as well as wield the tools in a new and revolutionary way for the masses and by the emancipated proletariat themselves through what is known as the dictatorship of the proletariat. Now, I don't quite remember what my overall point in bringing this up was, but I hope that that rambling was worth listening to. (laughs) So, I personally believe that that is necessary. Now. (laughs) Not on the horizon. Not someday when the masses are conscious. But today, when we make the masses conscious when we bring this information to the people who have been made ignorant by the society that you and I also were made ignorant by the one that we had to educate ourselves out of the one that we have to emancipate the working class from but some questions in this regard are in order I'd say, first and foremost, right, how is it then that we are to build something different, something better, and something more from the pieces and parts that we have laying in front of us today. Because ultimately, we must understand that we cannot snap our fingers and imagine a utopia will come to be. We cannot simply just put ideas out into the open air, debate, argue, stand in the street and sell newspapers. We can't simply expect that by conveying grand ideas that we're going to be able to actually build this society. We have to build the society. Lenin referred to this idea as dual power. The idea that you try to build a power structure, a, another reality which is capable of wielding revolutionary power, even although this might not be recognized as the true 
powerful force within society, usually, oftentimes, simply because of the way in which the existing ruling powers try to discredit, misinform, propagandize about, and ultimately subvert any ideas or information about these things. I mean, when folks like, you know, when folks like Lenin, and I hate to always come back to him, I really do, just because I I know to some it, it might come off as repetitive, right? But when you have folks like Lenin trying, and and the Bolsheviks as a whole, trying to put out information, propaganda, organize people, agitate, unionize, etc., get political positions, do you think the czar, or even after the czar, the the provisional government, Do you think that they were printing the ideas of the Bolsheviks, their opposition, right next to their own propositions? No. Up until, you know, really, 1917, most revolutionary papers, organizations, clubs, educators, uh, agitators, teachers, members of the Communist Party, they were arrested they were killed, they were burned to the ground, they stole uh, and destroyed buildings. The ruling class did everything that it could to make sure that these ideas, and especially these organizations, did not get out into the mass public eye. So then... Folks, ask yourself this and really ponder on this question because that's the only way we come to conclusive answers is by really thinking and by doing also. Seeing the results of your attempts in reality will really form truly revolutionary questions. But how do we build this while also not being able yet to take hold of state power and be our own liberators? How do we work towards liberation before we have liberated ourselves? How do we do this? Do we do it as a party? Do we do it through terrorism? Do we do it through unions and demonstrations? Do we do it through electoral politics? How do you do it, huh? You know, let's let's get some answers in, maybe. Maybe if you feel like coming on the show and talking about what you think, what you think a good answer to this question may be, and others that I've posed on here, fucking hit me up. We'll get you on the show. The second question I want to come to also requires a little bit of context. So, for those of you who are maybe new 
to revolutionary ideas, maybe new to Marxism, communism, scientific socialism, maybe new to leftism in general, right? Uh, You're weeding out that propaganda, you're getting rid of the U.S. State Department lies, of capitalist bourgeois lies, and you're really trying to, you know, you're really trying to chart through this reality and kind of compare it to the reality that's been painted for you. One book that I just picked up and I'm very interested in reading is Hitler's American Model. Um, That's the title. I forget what the subheading or the subtitle is. But anyways, what the book is about, it's, it's an argument, right? It's a, it's a, a comparative essay about the ways in which the Nazi party in Germany in 1934 was inspired by, advocated for, and ultimately used the American legal code and history of genocide, settler colonialism, white supremacy, and slavery and segregation, and use this history and this legal code to, in fact, write their own, what the author calls race law in 1934, what we know as the Nuremberg Laws. So that book is by oh, some someone Whitman. Go check that out. It seems like it's going to be a very interesting read. I'm about 30 pages in so far, and I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I might do it in my study group with some friends of mine. But anyways... First of all, what is fascism? Like, that, that question number two. Let's... I want you right now to maybe pause this audio and either A, ask yourself and really think that through. What is fascism? Not, a, not necessarily a definition, but what does fascism look like? What does it do? What does it represent? What is its goals? How does it form itself? How does it get organized? Is it capitalist? Is it socialist? Sub-question. How does it come to be? You know? Is it... Is it like we were taught in school? That A is fascism, Germany, Hitler is fascism, calling anything else fascism is a generalization, and that only this very time in space, in history, 
by this group of people in this way is fascism. And it it looks just like this and it's not different in any way. Or is fascism a process, a historical development, a political economic system? You tell me. But the question I want to ask really is what is the United States' historical connection to fascism and fascist movements across the world and do we feel that fascism has come to the United States that the United States is fascist has always been fascist or that fascism is on the rise in the United States what is it that you feel currently the energy, for the lack of a better word, of fascism here in the United States. Finally, I want to ask us really, and I'm, I'm gonna, I got a little bit of a drive left more than I normally would because I got to drop cigarettes off to someone, but, um, I'll I'll answer some of these questions in a little short-winded fashion, but how, right, how, how do we think that socialism or communism is able to or isn't able to account for and ultimately combat chauvinism, white supremacy fascism conservatism how well do really existing socialist states defend themselves and ultimately put down fascist or far right movements within their countries Versus, <coughs> excuse me, versus countries like the United States or really capitalist bourgeois countries. Because I think here, whether you are a socialist, a Marxist, an anarchist, or even a Democrat, a Republican, a patriot. There is history that needs to be examined, that needs to be understood, and ultimately needs to be learned from, in some cases replicated, in others improved upon, but most importantly, acted upon, which the left of the United States, whatever that means, is not accomplishing.
plainly put. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk about something, and it's going to connect here, but I want to talk about something because I'm, I'm really, I'm really questioning personally what to do. So, as I'm sure you all know, there is a huge gap and lack of revolutionary organizations, especially truly revolutionary, not just in word, not just in, you know, constitution, but in action, in practical organization, in development and accomplishment. There is no true revolutionary mass organization. And that is leaving a huge hole within the U.S. and within the West generally. This much, you know, I don't think is too uncommon to hear. But I really wonder how much we're doing to resolve this. Like, really doing. Not just talking about, but doing. Again, there are plenty of parties, organizations, coalitions, uh, groups, uh, etc. that do exist in the U.S. and in the West. Their revolutionary character, time will only tell. Time has told. History speaks loudly. And patterns and examples uh, cannot be ignored. That's all I want to say. But anyways. The reality is that the fascists, or what I would call fascists, the far right is organized, right? I know a lot of us want to joke and clown about <clears throat> the, the January 6th uh, quote-unquote insurrection. But you have to understand that they did fucking way more than the left has ever done in the United States, at least in recent history. You know, we, for all that we're worth in the U.S., talk about the need to seize state power... Yet we lack the organization to do so. The masses are not made conscious enough to want to either A, join with us in a mass organization, or as we take action, side with us. And lastly, we are plainly not taking advantage of the many opportunities, seizing on the many contradictions within the U.S. society that are there to be used to bolster a true mass and militant organization here in the U.S. We're just not. There's groups which are trying to. There are organizations which say to be building towards this. But the reality says that, for example... The difference between the way in which the Social Democratic Party of Germany 
pre-World War I was organized in Germany and the way in which the Socialist Party in the United States pre-World War I was organized within the United States looks very, very different to the way in which organizations in the United States today are organized in the United States. They certainly don't look like the Bolsheviks. And I'm not saying the Bolsheviks are perfect. I'm just saying they don't fucking st- you know, size up toe-to-toe with them. They don't. They don't have mass support. They don't have the ear of the masses. They are not delivering on the needs of the proletariat. They are not building numbers. They are not organized. Yet, and I'm not saying they can't be, but I'm saying as I'm talking to you today, this is an issue which has not been resolved yet. We within the United States would do well to get our asses, talking to myself here too, out of our computer chairs off of our couches, out of our cars, and put our fucking feet to the ground, talked to the people around us, join organizations, wage class struggle, and also wage ideological struggle within the organizations that we are taking part in. I mean, plainly put, most of the organizations that I hear of anyone joining, one of the most common problems is, oh, we disagreed ideologically, so I'm going to, I have to leave the party. And I know, okay, let me, let me expand on that thought because that can mean a lot of things. Ideological struggle within the party is important severance from or expulsion of those who have reactionary and revisionist ideas is 100% necessary and ultimately revolutionary in the sense that it is building towards an actually revolutionary thing, party, organization, struggle, etc., But you, that's not what you're getting out of it. You're getting people leaving the CPUSA because it's full of, you know, what the CPUSA is full of. You got people leaving the PSL because the PSL is full of what the PSL is full of. You got people leaving the Workers of the World Party and the IWW and the, you know, the Socialist Party and the Democratic Party... Because each one of those parties are filled with the things that they're filled with. It is no coincidence that these parties are not able to A, connect with the masses, B, provide for the masses, C, be filled with the masses, and D, be wielded by the masses. It is because they are not revolutionary. Not because I say so, but because history and reality says so they were revolutionary, we would be building the revolution. We would be all in this party. We wouldn't be talking about this on my podcast. We'd be talking about it in a debate circle, in a study session, in a uh, demonstration, in a speech. But no, each of us instead is consuming and building 
an organizing at an atomized individualistic level not because each one of us is assholes who just does not understand ideologically that this is necessary and ultimately that much more useful in the way of building a class struggle but it is because this organization has not yet been made capable of connecting to the masses of building the consciousness of the masses of supporting the needs of the masses of building dual power of providing true opposition to the already existing status quo and finally it is not of the masses when this comes to be it will be no question the bolsheviks did not constitute the vanguard the black panthers did not constitute the vanguard because they said so because i said so because ml's on facebook say so but because they actively played the role of vanguard without having to even say so they saw the needs of the people not because they stood and observed for long enough but because they went in and they asked the people directly what is needed they took control of the situation they built mass organizations they built dual power they built clinics they built breakfast clubs they built free pr- transportation they saw the needs and they met the needs of the people and because of this the people met the needs of the party by joining it by bringing their skills their ideas their experience and their needs to the party joining hand in hand with the party turning around and again meeting those needs building that consciousness connecting to the masses and ultimately being built by the masses this is a vanguard It doesn't take a certain form. We have to think about these things differently. It's a vanguard because history says so, because reality says so. This is what is necessary. Do we have this in the United States? I can't say that we do. I can't say that it's impossible. I can't say that organizations that exist today may or may not become the vanguard and may or may not become revolutionary mass organizations. But the plain reality of the situation is they do not constitute such an organization yet. And you and I need to join these organizations, need to build organizations, need to organize with the people and start building something that can be that vanguard. That can be that mass organization that can be revolutionary if you're still listening thank you very much please again let me know what you think of these questions let me know what you think of these ideas please hit me up with any critiques any questions any concerns any comments uh yeah um if you're looking for book recs that's a thing that i do now if you're looking for podcasts or youtube channels or any any kind of content to consume yo reach out reach out yo Honestly, I love to hear from folks. I'd love to talk to you. Reach out to me if you're like bored one day. You just want to talk about something that you're thinking about, man. I I have no friends. I sit at my job and I read. 
So I'd love to hear from you. Reach out sometime. Also, finally got the link, so be on the lookout coming after this episode tomorrow. I will be posting my episode with Bands of Turtle Island. Shouts out to them. It was amazing. I'm so glad to have been able to do that with them. Uh, The host of Bands of Turtle Island uh, recently announced that they are having a child. They will become a father very soon, in nine months or so. Now, for those of you who have children, who have been thinking about having children in this capitalist system, know what that means. Now, I'm going to be plainly honest with you. Homie needs some winter tires. Homie's moving eight hours away and has a child on the way. If you could do me a solid, any love that you have for me, take that over to Homie's Patreon. That is Bands of Turtle Island, no caps, no spaces, on Cash App, dollar sign, Bands of Turtle Island. Also on Patreon, Bands of Turtle Island, fucking drop that shit. Uh... Leave some, you know, congratulatory presents for the comrade because they deserve it and they need it as we all do. So if you have anything to spare, I'd love to be able to uh, have you pass that love along to the homie bands of Turtle Island. So be on the lookout for that episode. Again, thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. Stay safe, folks. Stay revolutionary. And until next time, uh, we'll see you. Bye.